If you have your Bible with you or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew, turn with me to the book of Psalms today. Psalm 56. Psalm 56. We're going to take a one-week break. We normally work our way verse by verse through a book. We're in the book of Mark. But occasionally, you run into a passage that just doesn't quite fit the day. And where we were in Mark just wasn't going to feel right for Mother's Day. So I thought we'd take a one-week pause and enjoy ourselves a psalm and hear from the Lord in this wonderful book. And as we listen to David in a crisis, we're going to remember all the reasons we can give the Lord our total trust. So with all that in mind, let's read together Psalm 56. This is the word of the Lord. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Brothers and sisters, what David is proclaiming for himself and wants you to be able to know and to say is this, the Lord deserves your total trust. The Lord deserves your total trust. He does not just deserve a little bit of your life, he does not deserve trust in just the church aspects of your life. The Lord deserves your total trust. And there are three statements that David makes in this passage that he's able to say and declare his trust to the Lord. And the question I want to ask you and me this morning is, can we say the same? Can we make the same declarations about God that David can say? The first statement that David makes is this. He is the God of my fears. He is the God of my fears. Look with me again at verses 1 to 4. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? 
David has reasons to be afraid. Let me clue you in to what is going on in David's life at the moment he writes this psalm. It takes us to 1 Samuel chapters 20 to 22. The king of Israel, King Saul, is out to get David. He's trying to kill him. He hates David. He hates how God chose him. He hates how the people of Israel love him, and he promises to murder him. Now, King Saul, his son Jonathan, goes and warns his friend David, and in chapter 21 of 1 Samuel, David flees to a place called Gath. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, that is the hometown of this giant named Goliath. David is so scared in Israel, he runs to the hometown of the giant he killed to hide. And there in Gath, he is surrounded by the enemy. He has nowhere to go. And when the people in Gath figure out who he is, David is so scared again, he pretends to be insane. And when the king eventually dismisses him from Gath, David flees to a cave and hides out there. He has gone from Israel to enemy territory to living alone in a cave. That's what's going on when in verse 1 David says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long. The attacker oppresses me. Now, it's a totally different situation, but parents know what it's like to be afraid. The minute a child is born, parents battle against fears they never had before. Right now, my youngest is beginning to crawl, and he's beginning to do it too well, too quickly. And we are nervous about what this kid is going to get into. We are picking up Legos left and right. We've got electric outlets we've got to plug in. It's just one thing after the other. And if you have kids, you know it doesn't stop once they stop crawling and start walking. It's just something new. you got crossing the road. you got where they're going to go to school, what they're going to do in the future, who they're going to marry. You might not be a parent. You might not be on the run from a homicidal king, but brothers and sisters, no matter where you are, if you ever have had a fear, you can learn from the man after God's own heart. You and I can learn from David. What does David do when he's overcome with his fear? Look at verses 3 and 4. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? David makes a choice in the midst of his fear. He chooses to rely on God and his word. As Derek Kidner writes, faith here for David is a deliberate act in defiance of one's emotional state. So here's the translation. The, the act of faith is, is against how you feel. It's not about how you feel in the moment. It's not whether you like it, whether you're terrified, 
whether you feel like doing it. It is a choice to believe that God is bigger than your surrounding situation and circumstances. That's why David said, what can man do to me? Psalm 112, verses 6 to 7. For the righteous will never be moved. Never. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Now notice how David does this. It's easy to say trust in God, but look what David does. He doesn't cling to some generic God and hope that all things work out for the best. What does he do? He finds his confidence in what Scripture says about God. He doesn't fight his feelings of fear with feelings of hope. He turns to the objective written word of God. Verse 4, in God whose word I praise. When you're afraid, how do you fight those feelings? Where do you turn? Proverbs 16, 20, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, when you are afraid, don't try to feel different. Open your Bible. Trust in the Lord. Trust in his word. Let God be the God of your fears. David can say something else. David also can say that God is the God of my tears. Not just when I'm afraid, but when I am sad. He is the God of my tears. Look at verses 5 to 11. All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they avoided from my life. For their crime will they escape, and wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? David faces attacks from every direction, from his home and the people of God to the people in Gath and the enemies of God. And David doesn't exactly deserve it. He didn't exactly ask for this. He didn't exactly sign up for this story. And it just crushes him. He says over and over, all day long this happens to me. David never asked Samuel to come to Bethlehem in his shepherd home and anoint him as the future king of Israel. David didn't kill Goliath for his own personal glory because he wanted to be something special. He only did that because he cared enough about the glory of God to step in and do something. David never tried to force Saul out of the throne. He never tried to take what was rightfully his. He bid his time and served the king. And even though he's tried to do the right thing, the enemies twist the story around and try to make David out to be the bad guy. That's what verse 5 says. 
They injure my cause. They twist, they slander, they tell stories about me. As one writer puts it, they use and abuse what David says. Days like today, as we have prayed, can be harsh, can be difficult. God gave us families specifically to be places that are safe from attacks like this. To be places where we don't feel the same way as David. Places of stability and security and support. But too many times, so many of us feel like David do in our very own homes with our very own families. Because sin twists what God has created for good. It distorts the beautiful presence and gifts of the Lord and turns them into enemies. And those in our own homes lurk and stir up strife and injure our cause. The ones easiest to love, the ones that should be the easiest to love, become the most difficult. Or is that just me. Pay attention to what David does here, friend. What does he do with his sorrow? He prays. He turns to the Lord in prayer. Look at verse 7 to 8. You got you to gotta see some phrases here. They, they sneak up at you. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. He's asking the Lord something for his enemies. He's asking the Lord for something for himself. Put my tears in your bottle, O Lord. He's praying to the Lord. So when he's afraid, he opens his Bible and turns to the word. But when he's sad, he gets on his knees and he prays. And when he's doing this, as he's Presenting his case to God, God uses his prayer to change David in the midst of the prayer. And David clings to these two promises from God. The first promise he clings to is this, and you need to hear this. God counts and keeps your every sorrow. God counts and keeps every time that you are sad, every tear that you cry. Verse 8 at the end, he says, Are not my tears in your book? Friend, listen, it doesn't matter how small the situation is, how minor the injury, how little the problem. Before you even pray about your pain, God knows. Before you ever utter a single word of prayer, God knows exactly what you're going to bring to him. And he is the judge that judges justly. He will make all things right. But until then, friend, he's watching you. Psalm 17, verse 5, David could say, My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. That's the confidence he could have even in the midst of his sorrow. Because he knew God was watching over him. The second promise that he held on to is this. God stays faithful to his people. Verse 9, then my enemies will turn 
Back in the day when I call, when I pray, this I know that God is for me. Can you say that, friend? Do you know God is for you? In the midst of your sorrow, when you're really struggling, not here, but by yourself, in the dark, alone, do you know that God is for you? That he wants his best, his glory, his love for you. Do you know this? David does not stumble upon these truths by accident. They don't just magically appear in his brain. He doesn't just produce the feeling of these promises in himself. How does he get there? Through prayer. God puts these promises in his life as he turns to the Lord in prayer. When sorrows bring you down, brothers and sisters, how much do you pray? Put your trust in the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 7, a verse we know well. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friend, whatever you're holding on to, whatever pain or struggle, let God be the God of your tears. But please, don't stop there. These are actually some of the easier areas to let God be God with our fears and our tears. But what about the rest of our life? What about the moments of celebration? What about the moments of happiness and joy? Friends, God is faithful at all times. So he deserves our trust at all times. That's why David could say this final statement. In verses 12 to 13, David is able to say, he is the God of my life. He is the God of everything in my life. Look at verses 12 to 13. David says, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of life. In this episode in David's life, David escapes to the cave, but he's not alone for long. Eventually, some of his loyal men come and find him. And eventually, you know, David takes his place as king. David is delivered. And this salvation leads David to give God all of his life. You see it in the psalm. Salvation leads David to commitment. Verse 12 says, I must perform my vows. It leads David to celebration. Verse 12, he says, I will render my thank offerings. And it leads David to communion with God. In verse 13, he says, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This salvation, this delivery leads David to give everything of himself to the Lord. Now, how does he mark it? Friends, you got to see this because some of us might turn to the word and some of us might turn to pray, but we don't always go into this third step of trust. How does David mark this celebration of salvation in his life? How does he remember the delivery God has given him over his enemies? 
He does it by singing. That's what David means when he says, I will render thank offerings to the Lord. David says, I'm going to sing about it. I mean, that's, that's what the psalm is, Psalm 56. It is a song that he wanted the people of Israel to sing to God to remember they could put their total trust in him. It's not the only place he did it. Psalm 34 is written about this same episode where he escapes to Gath and then to the cave and escapes the enemies. And David sings to the Lord the salvation that he has brought him. Verse 1, David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And then in verse 17 and 18, David sings, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And with Psalm 34 and Psalm 56, David makes good on his vow to God and sings his total trust to the Lord. Friend, if God has delivered you, allow me to ask, how much singing do you do? I'm not talking about Sunday morning. How much singing to the Lord do you do? You sing at a baseball game. You sing the national anthem before any game. How much singing to the Lord do you do? As Charles Spurgeon once said, he who can trust God will soon sing. When the fears and the sorrows of this world weigh you down, friends, remember what God has done for you. He deserves your total trust. Render him a thank offering of praise. You don't have to sound good, but he is good. And he deserves some praise and recognition for what he has done. Psalm 59 verse 16, but I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Friends, if David had reason to trust God and sing, we have even more. Because all David could really do is look forward to the day that God would answer his promises. But brothers and sisters, we can look back and see how God fulfilled his promise to David through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the son of David. Jesus came to this world to face the brokenness that we all experience. And how did Jesus handle it when he was here? He turned to the word when he was tempted. He turned to the Lord in prayer when he was afraid of, the, of going to the cross and facing the wrath of God. And he was singing the whole way there. When they celebrated communion and they were finished, Jesus led them out and led a hymn of praise with his disciples. And when he got up to the cross, every word out of his mouth was from the book of Psalms, singing to his death the trust that he had in God. And why was he there? 
Not for his crimes, but for ours, for our crimes. He did not escape. In wrath, God cast him down instead of the people's. And on the third day, God delivered his son from death, just as David sang. Friends, this is the gospel. It's why Jesus deserves your total trust. John 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friend, if you are here today and you have never put your total trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, what that means is not just that you know he died on the cross and rose again, but that you have stopped trusting in anything you ever do, in any of your good works, in any of your efforts, in your own name. You stop trusting in that and you put your trust in him and what he did for you. If that has never happened in your life, make him the God of your fears. Make him the God of your tears. Make Jesus Christ the God of your life and follow him. Give him everything. Give him the right to reign over everything. Friends, in him there's no condemnation. God is for me, as David says. Walk in his presence. If God has brought you this salvation, and I would say that's many of us. If God has delivered us from death, like David sings, what kind of commitment does he deserve? If God has saved you, what kind of commitment and passion does he deserve? Half-hearted commitment? Every once in a while commitment? How much does he deserve to be praised and celebrated, brothers and sisters, all day long, every day, with all that we have, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, to the Lord our God. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Friend, where do you need to trust God today? What's the issue? What's the relationship? What's the need? Where do you need to put your trust in him? What area of life do you need to hand over to Christ? If you can't give that to him, he doesn't have your total trust. Give it to him. Trust the Lord today. Trust his word over your greatest fear. Turn to him in prayer and give him your deepest sorrows. And brothers and sisters, sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. And friends, Mother's Day, what do we need to show our children? What do we need to show our grandchildren? How do we need to guide them into a relationship of trust with the Lord? It's not that complex. It's simple. It's what David did. We need to turn to the Word, the Word of God with our children and our grandchildren. We need to turn to prayer with them, and we need to sing with them. How can you do that in your home with your kids, your grandkids? to show them what it looks like 
to totally trust the Lord. Brothers and sisters, let the words that you read, let the words that you pray, and let the words that you sing pick you up and propel you to live a life of total trust. Let us pray.